Welcome to the Super Sleuth Podcast, presented by the Frostburg State University Children's Literature Center. Get ready to time travel with your hosts, Bill and Cameron, and use your detective skills to identify our mystery famous person. We'll give you 10 clues about our famous person, plus we'll give you the meanings of three vocabulary words related to our famous person. Using the 10 clues and three vocabulary words, can you identify our mystery famous person? Be sure to listen all the way through our podcast because Bill and Cameron will also have a special segment involving superheroes and will tell you all about an awesome new book. If you like our podcast, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud. Are you ready to have fun? Let's start the Super Sleuth Podcast. Welcome to Episode 8, Season 2. How are you doing today, Cameron? I'm doing good. All right. Let's talk a little bit about who was our featured person on the last episode. You want to tell everybody? Yes. So our featured person was Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And the book that we got the clues from, interesting book, a great, best illustrated children's book by the New York Times. And the title is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. The Case of RBG versus Inequality, written by Jonna Winter and illustrated by Stacy Interest. So now we're going to go over the vocabulary words from last episode. So the first word was a noun, and the definition was sticking to a purpose or aim, not giving up on what one has set out to do. And the word is perseverance. The, w- the second word we were looking for was also a noun. And it w- the definition was dislike or hatred for Jews. And the word was or is anti-Semitism. The last word, it was a noun. And the definition was objects, documents, and facts used in a court of law to back up a legal argument. And that word is evidence. And now uh, I'm going to reveal who the superhero of the week was. So the superhero of the week was none other than Tony Dungy. So if you guessed Tony Dungy, you got it correct. And now we are ready for the clues for this episode. And I will begin. Clue number one. Born in 1888 in Oklahoma a member of the Sac and Fox Nation, who at birth was given the name Wat Thohuk, which in English translates to Bright Path. Clue number one. Born in 1888 in Oklahoma, a member of the Sac and Fox Nation, who was given at birth the name Wat Thohuk, which in English translates to Bright Path. Clue number two. When he and his four brothers and sisters were not working on the farm, they loved the outdoors, playing follow the leader, swimming rivers, climbing trees, and dashing among the livestock. Clue number two, when he and his four brothers and sisters were not working on the farm, they loved the outdoors playing follow the leader, swimming rivers, climbing trees, and dashing among the livestock. 
Clue number three. At age 10, he could handle a lasso and liked to rope wild horses so they could be tamed. Clue number three. At age 10, he could handle a lasso and liked to rope wild horses so they could be tamed. Clue number four. His father is stern man enrolled him at age six in, in a school just for Indian children where he was forced to follow a rigid schedule, live in a dormitory, and play only games chosen by the school. Clue number four. His father, a stern man, enrolled him at age six in a school just for Indian children where he was forced to follow a rigid schedule, live in a dormitory, and play only games chosen by the school. Clue number five. He ran away from school so frequently, his father, in an attempt to discourage him, sent him to a different Indian school 300 miles away in Haskell, Kansas. Clue number five. He ran away from school so frequently, his father, in an attempt to discourage him, sent him to a different Indian school 300 miles away in Haskell, Kansas. Clue number six. His father, a hot-tempered man, often bullied him. So at age 13 and weighing not quite 100 pounds and less than five feet tall, he ran away but returned two months later with a gift of two horses for his father. Clue number six. His father, a hot-tempered man, often bullied him. So at age 13 and weighing not quite 100 pounds and less than five feet tall, he ran away but returned two months later with a gift of two horses for his father. Clue number seven. In 1904, he was sent across the country to his last school in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, where there was, where there was over a thousand Indian children. Clue number seven. In 1904, he was sent across the country to his last school in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, where there was over a thousand Indian children. Clue number eight. After he broke the school high jump record on his first try, Pop Warner, Carlisle's legendary coach, invited him to join the track and football team. Clue number eight. After he broke the school high jump record on his first try, Pop Warner, Carlisle's legendary coach, invited him to join the track and football team. Clue number nine. By 1912, he won medals for dashes, hurdles, hammer throws, and the shot put, and his track team defeated much larger schools. 
while his football team beat the best college teams in the country, like Harvard, Syracuse, and Princeton. Clue number nine. By 1912, he won medals for dashes, hurdles, hammer throws, and the shot put, and his track team defeated much larger schools, while his football team beat the best college teams in the country, like Harvard, Syracuse, and Princeton. Clue number 10. As a member of the 1912 United States Olympic team, he won a gold medal in the pentathlon, a grueling contest of jumping, javelin throwing, a 200-yard sprint, discus throwing, and a race of nearly a mile. A week later, he won the gold in the decathlon, a event with 10 events, which is more punishing than a pentathlon. Clue number 10. As a member of the 1912 United States Olympic team, he won a gold medal in the pentathlon, a grueling contest of jumping, javelin throwing, a 200-yard sprint, discus throwing, and a race of nearly a mile. A week later, he won the gold in the decathlon, a 10 event which is more punishing than the pentathlon. Clue number 11. Left Carlisle in 1913 and played professional baseball, basketball, and football until his retirement in 1928. Clue number 11. Left Carlisle in 1913 and played professional baseball, basketball, and football until his retirement in 1928. Clue number 12. First name starts with a J and ends with a M. Last name starts with a T and has six letters and ends with an E. Clue number 12. First name starts with a J and ends with an M. Last name starts with a T and has six letters and ends with an E. And now it is time for the vocabulary. So the first word is a noun, and the definition is a building with many rooms. So the first word is a noun, and it means a building with many rooms. The second word is also a noun, and we're looking for a word that means an athletic contest containing 10 parts, such as racing, throwing the javelin, and jumping. We're looking for a noun for the second one, which means an athletic contest containing 10 parts, such as racing, throwing the javelin, and jumping. And the last word is a adjective, and it means describing someone as famous and that many stories are told about them. The last word is an adjective, and it means describing someone as famous and that many stories are told about them.
And now we are ready for a special treat. Ellie's here to read the second part of the book. Okay, Ellie, it's all yours. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to The Bad Case of the Apples. We left off at the crime scene where Detective Wilcox and Captain Griswold found uh, Porcini um, in his pen where he was turning green from eating what they think was too many Granny Smith apples. All right. We are now entering Chapter 3, and this is Suspects and Clues. 8.15 a.m., Sweet Pea's pen. Knock, knock. The captain rapped on the gate. Do I smell cheese donuts, squealed a piglet? The captain forked one over. Are you Sweet Pea, I asked. That's me, sweetest little pea in the pen, she said, batting her eyelashes. This piglet was a ham. Captain Griswold and Detective Wilcox, MFIs. I flashed my badge. Porcini got a gift basket of apples, but it wasn't much of a present. Those apples might have been poisoned. The apples were p -p -p poisoned Did you suspect they were poisoned? I gave Sweet Pea a third degree. No, 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 sir. Did you leave the poisoned apples for Porcini? No, 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 sir, she said. I wouldn't hurt a fly. Did you see who left the basket? Sweet Pea swore she had been home all last night and this morning and hadn't seen anyone dropping off the apples or hanging around the pen. A check of the MFI database showed the piglet's record was a squeaky clean as her spotless pen. The captain flashed me his her pen might be too clean look. I had to agree. Not one crumb was out of place. There was no sign of apples or poison. The only thing that stood out were a copy of Snow White and a blanket on her bed, which stitched with the words, Love, Granny. What a beautiful blanket, I said. I couldn't put my toe on it, but there was definitely something familiar about the blanket. Sweepy quickly hugged it to her chest. It was a gift from my granny, Hammy. The captain handed Sweepy a card with the MFI hotline number. If you remember anything, give us a ring, I told her. The captain and I hopped in the cruiser. Time we had a word with Herman, the rat. Frankly, this case was inching along at a snail's pace. At a snail's pace indeed. Suspect number two, Herman the Vermin. 8.50 a.m., Herman's rusty old truck. The captain pounded on the door. Scram! came a voice from inside the truck. I smell a rat, I whispered to the captain. Herman, open up! MFIs! The truck window rolled down. What do you want? I don't have time for rat thinks. We heard about your beef with Porcini. What no, that no good pig-headed pig covered every hole I dug. The nerve. How am I supposed to steal his food now? Is that why you tried to poison him? Me? Poison Porcini? Ha! I never waste good pork chops. When I asked Herman if he knew anything about apples left in front of Porcini's pen, he denied it. Where were you last night, I probed, trying to see if... I have an alibi. Alibi. Proof someone was somewhere else when a crime was committed. The scowl on the captain's face read, Answer the question before I haul your tail down to headquarters. I went to the garbage dump. A wrap's gotta eat. And that's when everything went from the frying pan right into the fire. 
What do you mean, I asked. While I was scrounging for snacks, Fowler, the owl, grabbed me. How did you get away? Hot dog threw something at Fowler. Bullseye. Got her right in the talons. She dropped me like a hot potato. What did hot dog throw? Something round like an apple. I glanced over at the captain. He gave me his, an apple like the ones in the basket look. Herman caught the look. He narrowed his eyes. Hey, you two aren't trying to get me to rat on hot dog, are you? What color apple did hot dog throw? I pressed, hoping Herman would spill the beans. Herman shrugged. Once Fowler dropped me, I hightailed it out of there. Apple schmapple. Where were you this morning? Back at the dump. I was. It was slim pickings, but on my way home, I passed hot dog practicing yoga with the goats. Hmm. If Herman's story checked out, hot dog would have an alibi. Mind if we look inside your truck? You better have a warrant or it'll cost you a couple cheese donuts. Warrant, a legal document that gives police the right to make an arrest or search a place. We didn't have a warrant, so the captain tossed him the donuts. We scoured the truck. What a rat's nest. Potato peels were everywhere, but no apples and no poison. Herman, we're done. Don't scamper out of, the t- out of town anytime soon. The captain and I jumped into the cruiser and made a quick stop at Fowler's. She confirmed Herman's story. The rat's alibi was solid. Next up was Hot Dog. He had some explaining to do about the possible assault with an apple. He might very well be in the doghouse. In the doghouse indeed. Suspect number three, Hot Dog. 10.10 a.m., Hot Dog's house. Bonk. An apple almost hit the captain on the head. He flashed me his hot dog is up in a tree look. Up in a tree indeed, I said. Hot dog, got a minute? Sure thing, detectives. Want an apple? They're delicious. Hot dog was right. They were delicious apples. Red delicious apples. The captain shook his head. The crime scene apples were green. Might as well be apples and oranges, I grumbled. Say, hot dog... We heard you left Porcini's in a stew yesterday. Porcini said I swiped his slop, which I didn't, and banned me from his pen. Why are you asking? Did you poison Porcini, I asked. Poison Porcini? You're barking up the wrong tree. Go ask Sweet Pea or Herman. They were kicked out too, and I heard Herman was madder than a wet hen. Right now we're talking to you. Where were you last night? Hot Dog repeated Herman's story that we had saved the rat from Fowler. What about this morning? I was doing downward dog at yoga class. Hot Dog gave us permission to search his doghouse. There were dog biscuits everywhere, but no sign of anything incriminating. Incriminating. Evidence that shows guilt of a crime. Then the captain spotted something under Hot Dog's bed. The something was round and green. The captain scurried underneath and pushed out. Hey, thanks. I was looking for my tennis ball, woofed hot dog. We drove back to headquarters. From my desk, I called the goat shed. Yogi, the goatee, picked up. Um, Detective Wilcox here. Was hot dog at your yoga class this morning? Um, That was yoga for yes. Hot Dog's alibi was all right. We were scrapping the bottom of the apple barrel, that's for sure. Bottom of the apple barrel, indeed. 
Chapter 4. Forensics. 12.02 p.m. Headquarters. The captain and I took the elevator down to the forensics lab. Detectives, come look at this, said Dr. Phil. There are two sets of hoof prints on all four apples left at the scene. I checked the database and the prints marked A are an exact match for Porcini. The prints marked B are similar to Porcini's but smaller. I couldn't find a match for them in our database. But they're pig prints, I asked? Definitely. All of the saliva samples on the chewed apples are a match for Porcini, so he was the only one who ate anything. No surprise there, I said. Now take a look at the crime scene photographs under magnification. See the four-toed front and five-toed back claw prints? Most likely from a rat. You can also see clear paths towards Puccini's trough. That rat, I said. Here, these paw prints are consistent with that of a dog. They have a roundish shape and a blunt claw marks. There isn't a straight trail, though. That low-down dog... Can you identify the rat and dog, I asked. Unfortunately, there's not enough here to make a positive ID. Strangest thing was that there was no trace of any kind of poison. Who could have poisoned Porcini without any poison? Think, think, think. I tossed the captain and Dr. Phil some cheese donuts. We were all pacing. One, two, three steps forward. One, two, three steps backwards. I pulled out my notepad and looked at my sketch of the crime scene. Holy baked apples! Just then my phone rang. Wilcox here, MFI. This is Dr. Einstein. Meet me at Porcini's pen. I've got his test results. We're on our way. Time we found out who had upset the apple cart. Upset the apple cart indeed. Thank you, Ellie. I can't wait till the next episode to hear the conclusion of this story. It's exciting. And now I'm looking over and I see Cameron has a, a T-shirt on. Looks like a superhero. I guess he might describe it for you. Uh, yeah. So um, the superhero, his last name is Queen, um, and he is a billionaire. And his superpower is that he like shoots arrows, but like the arrows, they do different things. So like one arrow, it's like a regular arrow, but then there's like another arrow that he shoots where he can like fly across buildings and whatnot. So that's the superhero. Okay, good job. I'm sure they're going to get that one. We need a clue for the next episode, right? Yes, we what's, do. What's, 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 what's happening in the news right now, especially about COVID? Well, there is, apparent, there is a vaccine that will soon be available. Wow. What's that word again? Vaccine. Vaccine. Might be a clue for our next episode. Very good. Cameron, can you tell people how they can get in touch with us? Yes. So if you would like to get in contact with us, um, you can get in contact with us on our SoundCloud page, or you can send us an email at frostbergclc at gmail.com. And we would love for you to do that. Yes, we would. Yes. Thank you. And thank everyone for listening. See you next time. It's been fun, Super Sleuths. Now make sure to submit your answers to who you believe is our mystery famous person and the three vocabulary words. Also, be sure to look for future episodes of the Super Sleuth podcast on SoundCloud. And if you have any questions or comments, you can contact us on our SoundCloud page. Please join Bill and Cameron again for more time traveling. And in the meantime, great job, Super Sleuths. <laughs>